Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy. But as you know by now, we're in this together, and we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. Now, learning to read seems like a rite of passage for our little ones. We start with our ABCs and move on to more complex words and phrases. I still remember when my own little ones started putting letter sounds together and making words. It was so exciting. Many children enjoy reading and do it often at home and in school, at our local libraries and in waiting rooms. But not every child is an avid reader, and not every child learns to read with ease. So how do we help our reluctant readers thrive, and how do we inspire our less interested readers to love literacy? For these answers, I have a wonderful guest who is actually a teacher to help us help our kids love to read. Alex Corbett is a middle school English teacher in the Bronx, New York. His work focuses on socio-emotional learning, gamification, education technology, and literacy. He loves learning from other teachers, and he regularly presents at conferences around the United States. And I follow him on Twitter because not only does he share some of my own infographics on how to talk to kids about different topics and how to start conversations about respect and focus and other types of things, but he shares some incredibly relevant and interesting infographics from other educators who are doing really important work to get our kids to love learning in all different areas. And I know he didn't say this in his own bio to me, but he's had a lot of recognition for being a distinguished educator, and I get the sense that he's very well loved, and he's innovative, and we've got a lot to learn from him. So speaking of learning, we've got a lot to learn today. We are so grateful you are here, so welcome Alex Corbett to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin, for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled you're here. It's so fun when we, you know, meet over social media and then here you are. It's I our know. first like conversation in person, but I, I feel like, you know, we've gone back and forth on socio you know, social media. It's just so much fun to actually get to, to talk. To actually live. sit down and talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you or see you speak. What gets you up in the morning, and how did you get so interested in the area of children and literacy? Um, what gets me up in the morning regarding education or just in general? Well, in general, what is your, what's the passion that sort of gets you out of bed and gets you going? Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I hope this doesn't sound corny, but I like to laugh. And I think um, I originally, when going into education, uh, saw myself teaching like 11th grade or seniors in high school and talking about very, you know, like classic canonical like literature. Mm -hmm. But then I had the 
fortune of being placed when I was a student teacher in a middle school classroom and I learned how funny middle schoolers are and mm. how much they make me laugh and they crack me up. So I think, um, you know, I, I do teach uh, English, you know, literacy is my passion. But when you ask what gets me up in the morning, I think uh, just being silly and having fun with my kids and kind of connecting that way uh, is what gives me kind of the energy to keep going. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm sure your kids love that about you. So what got you so interested in literacy in particular? Yeah. So, um, so I think being able to read is such an important part of being a citizen, whether, you know, um, when it comes to voting or keeping up on the news or now digital citizenship is such an important aspect of our lives and our digital footprint, what information about ourselves we put out into the world, how we analyze uh, the information that is bombarding us from every which direction. And so I think being an informed, empowered citizen is um, really dependent on your ability to read write and think critically. So I, you know, I do love to read. I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of like reading fiction and all that kind of stuff. But um, really what it comes down to for my kids, I think, is I want them to be kind of empowered. It's so sweet that you call your students your kids. I, I just love <laughs> that about you. It's, you know, it's, it, it makes it, so that we know how much you care and you know who doesn't love a teacher that that really truly cares in the way that you do so my kids are very big on reading they love it our problem is usually getting them to stop reading at night go to bed that's a, that's a good problem to have <laughs> yeah i know and i don't actually even complain about it it's just you know it is an argument every once in a while uh, my son was just telling me tonight, he's like, but I didn't get a chance to read and I need some new books from the library because I've read all of these, you know, so it's just a different, you know, different bunch of problems. But <laughs> I was talking to some other parents and, um, and obviously, uh, in doing the work that I do when I present at schools or, and I present for parents, I often hear about their struggles, and one of them is actually getting their kids to read. So, Absolutely. yeah. So first, I want to ask you, why are some kids reluctant readers? And then, if you would, if you can, if we can, maybe go into some teachers' tips, like some teachers' secrets on sure. how to inspire those reluctant readers to read when they really would rather not. So first. Why are we, why do we have some reluctant readers and then go for the tips? Yeah. And, um, I guess I'll just kind of preface this with saying, you know, although I, you know, I am a teacher and this is kind of, these questions are what I try and wrap my head around, you know, on a daily basis, you know, I am, I am far from, you know, a guru or, you know, I, I don't know all the answers. So do we, this, uh, do any of us know all the answers? No, We're just trying no. to piece this and, together here. Right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's really hard work that takes dedication. And uh, I mean, as you know, every child is so different and what works for one child might not work for another. So it's really, there's a lot of trial and error and testing. So, um, you know, as we discuss things, maybe I'll just kind of frame it with, you know, 
you know, here are some strategies. Yes. Maybe some of them will work. Maybe some. That's what we're looking you know, for. Not absolutely all. Well. I will yeah. never think that all these strategies are going to work for all right. the, all the children. And and that is a, such an important point that I'm just going to throw high beams on right there for all of our listeners. That one tip that works for you may not work for your neighbor or the kid down the street. But if you hear one thing today that stimulates reading for your kid, then this is a success. So we're no, no pressure in terms of getting, you know, the global, this is how your kid's going to learn to read and love reading. Uh, I'll just say that, but just, we're just kind of throwing some stuff out there and something's going to stick to each one of our listeners. That sounds great. So going uh, back to your question, you know, why are some kids, students, children, uh, reluctant readers. There's, you know, so many reasons why, but I think some of the big reasons, um, one might be because, you know, in my classroom, for example, I have students who are as many as like five grade levels below, you know, their, where they should be at. You know, Mm -hmm. I teach seventh grade middle school, but I have some students who are at a second grade reading level. Mm -hmm. And so one reason why I might have a student who, struggles or is, who is reluctant to read is because it's hard for them and they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. Some students would rather not read than be vulnerable, yes. try to read and visibly struggle. I mean, how yes. embarrassing could that potentially be if they're not in an environment that's supportive? Mm-hmm. And, you know, students like that, I don't blame at all. Mm-hmm. I If I wouldn't want to read aloud mm-hmm. or, you know, put myself out there if I felt um, you know, so vulnerable to maybe being teased or, or not getting the answer right or being seen as, you know, quote unquote dumb, which, right. you know. Um, and so I think for these students, what I recommend is giving their books called high interest, low lexile books. Mm-hmm. So they're books specifically for, let's say, middle school and high schoolers who might read uh, far below grade level, but the content of the story is for their age, Mm. but the lexile level is low. So it's like high interest, low lexile level. Mm -hmm. For example, if I have a high schooler, or let me say a seventh grader who's reading at a second grade reading level, they're not gonna wanna read you know, frog and toad chapter books. You're absolutely right, I was wondering about that. That's exactly right, oh, okay, great. And so they, so, I mean, the past 10 years in YA Lit has been so important and for a number of reasons, but high interest, low lexile level is, is one of them. And these books do exist by a lot of publishers. And maybe I can uh, send you some links to include in the footnotes. Oh, um, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And And for these, and then another good resource for students who are frustrated or struggling is graphic novels or comics. Now, let me preface that by saying um, there are some graphic novels. I mean, anything by Alan Moore or, you know, The Watchmen, those are like really challenging graphic novels. So I'm not trying to say that all comics and graphic novels are simplistic or simple. Um, But the plain fact of having pictures is a great entry point for students and helps them 
decode and understand what's going on in the story. Mm. So um, that's another resource for um, struggling readers. A third is um, going back to the idea of culture, establishing a growth mindset in your classroom uh, to touch on Carol Dweck's mm -hmm. research. Um, which I'm sure you guys have talked about at length. We but have just talked about, but yeah, you know, like let's reiterate what yeah. you know what we're talking about here because we, yes, folks who have been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm probably on Jessica Leahy's um, podcast that I did with her and uh, numerous other ones. We've talked about Carol Dweck's work, but I think it's it really begs refreshment right here. So let's let's go let's let's talk about it a little bit and. You know, I'm I'm again not an expert, but the basic idea is she did a study where half, uh, where half she took two groups of students. One group she reinforced the idea of them being smart, and then the other group of students she reinforced the idea of them trying hard and giving their best effort. Right. Um, and what the research showed is that telling kids that they're smart does uh, is actually can sometimes inhibit their ability to le learn new information because they're worried about maintaining that reputation of being smart. So they don't take risks. They don't go out the, of their comfort zone. Uh, but students who are praised for their effort and um, their ability to, to be creative and problem solve, be vulnerable, all these things that we hope struggling readers to do, um, those students in studies have shown to be more successful when given like uh, a test to kind of aggregate how they're doing. So I, the reason why I bring that up is I think how we message reading to our kids is very important. Emphasizing not getting the correct answer or being quote unquote smart, but being creative, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, asking questions. Hey, that was a great question. You clarified so much for us. We learned so much from your wondering or your question. Mm. Um, I think de developing that growth mindset in readers might help bring them out of their shell uh, if they're anxious and they're struggling. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some strategies for our struggling reader category. Right. Another reason why some kids are quote unquote reluctant readers might be because the books that we're giving them don't reflect their identities. Mm. Um, so classically, you know, in schooling, the type of literature we provide our students is predominantly um, by white mm -hmm. men, often dead, uh, straight, <laughs> uh, you know, yes. coming from a very heteronormative uh, kind of perspective. Um, and this doesn't, this reaches only a very small fraction of our kids. And our kids need to be able to look into books and, and see themselves reflected back at them. So we need to bring into the classroom LGBTQ literature. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to bring in diverse books that explore a variety of cultures and experiences. Mm -hmm. um, Different protagonists. Uh, definitely. Yes. Um, especially, you know, especially uh, empowered female protagonists. Sure. Um, so, you know, I don't really blame the students who, you know, quote unquote, supposedly don't like reading if we're only giving them books that mm. privilege or center one type of person. Right. Um, so I really think we need to rethink curriculum. Mm. Uh, I think we need to 
rethink the way we provide students with books and and what types of identities are we centering when we give kids uh, different types of books. What an important idea to be able to read something where you see yourself reflected back at you. I think that is, it's very important because you want to feel connected to what you're reading. You want to feel that what you're reading is reflect a reflection of you and is interesting to you. Isn't that right? Yeah, and, and validating. And book, I mean, a good book should help us understand ourselves better, right? Mm-hmm. And like should ask us questions that um, make us think more deeply um, and make us feel valued. So um, absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and just a third group of, you know, quote unquote, I, I use quotes because, you know, maybe it's not that they're reluctant, maybe we're just not meeting our need, their needs. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, but um, another reason why students might not be jazzed, reading, so to speak, um, might be because of low attention span due to, um, you know, iPhones, video games, the abundance of technology right. that provides so many distractions. Um, and just having the time to kind of unplug uh, and focus just on reading or reading with a device, but trying to tune out other distractions and, and make that time for reading sacred and build that stamina and attention span in our kids. I want to jump into that a little bit more. We have talked a lot about technology on this podcast uh, with Common Sense Media and Devorah Heitner and uh, and Sue Chef and, and a bunch of others that have gone into warning us about tech, but also using tech. Eric Scheninger sure. has been on um, George Kuros in your world, you know, where we were talking mm-hmm. about innovation and, and technology. Uh, and and a lot of our listeners, you know, they they have a lot of tech in their households. We have a lot of tech in our schools. My my child uh, is is part of a, a specialized classroom called Laddie, where they you know learn all about uh, learn with all different types of technology. And we live in a push button culture where where questions are answered in a flash, and curiosities yeah. are satisfied in a click in a, a click of a button. It's like, hey, how big is a how much does a whale weigh? Done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and I think of my own childhood. If I want to learn how much a whale weighs, I was going to the series of encyclopedias in my brother's room and, uh, you know, labeled A, B, C, D and, and onward and taking that encyclopedia out by hand and, and leafing through and looking up whales in W. So, you know, that took some time and then you actually right, need to right. read it. So given all of this, how do we create a culture of reading in our homes and in our schools beyond saying, let's, you know, kind of put down the distraction? What else can we do? That's a great question. So um, I think um, it's very important when we're trying to create a culture of learning to um First, students need access. Like you can't have a culture of reading without access to books. So whether it be, you know, uh, going online is a perfectly valid way or having a, an e-book is, having a, is a perfectly valid way of getting books. But, um, you know, in my classroom or um, in my home space, I, I have a lot of books available in 
every room mm. and that is a very it's kind of a centerpiece of the environment mm. um and mm. so i think that allows um for me or for my my kids at school to kind of get inspired and just to kind of explore so i think th- rethinking kind of the environment i mean having even you know in our homes with kids having magazines or or books or you know papers in the bathroom you mm-hmm. know like that's mm-hmm. a great opportunity yeah they're doing nothing they must right. well. <laughs> yeah. so like just just kind of saturating the space with mm-hmm. um with texts mm-hmm. um and then in addition to that when we talk about building a reading culture um we need to remember that we are models for um for our kids mm-hmm. and kids look to adults as and and they're very good at imitating right. right and they're very good at looking at us and kind of taking our lead a lot of the times sometimes not sometimes the middle school friends are more important than sure. you know me sure. or a teacher right. and i i get that but when it comes to literacy i'm very aware that i need to be modeling what it means to have a reading life. So I always try to share the books or the short stories or the articles that I'm reading with my kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just, you know, a silly thing or something. It's funny or something that I found very interesting. Or maybe um, I'm talking to a student who's kind of working through a problem. And I'm like, you know, I, I, you remind me of this situation, you know, in this book, and mm. maybe you, I, it really meant a lot to me. Maybe this would kind of be inspiring for you. Um, and then I say that with the caveat of being very real with kids. So even though I'm an English teacher, I don't kind of coat everything in this like sugar sweet mm-hmm. uh, tone, like, oh, you know, aren't books wonderful? And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm very clear and vulnerable with my kids. You know, just because I'm an English teacher doesn't mean I'm a perfect reader. I tell the kids, and this is true, I read very slowly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm easily confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I prefer pictures. I love graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an, a very short attention span. It's something I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um, you sound just like have... my kids, like this every single thing you've said so far. <laughs> I mean, and I think it. I think it's also just what it means to be human. I yeah, mean, we're just not absolutely. these perfect, you know, even, you know, the big English teacher, you know, in, in front of the room or working with kids, you know, we have, we're, we're all human. We're yes. all, you know, we have uh, struggles. Um, I have tons of books that I that I don't like, you know, just, Mm. but I still love reading, but there are lots of books I don't like. And I think that kind of blows my, uh, the minds of my kids to hear me say those things. Right. But I think, um, it also adds to my credibility as somebody who's trying to get them to read because I'm being very honest with them. And you get them. It's you're reading their their minds in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, you hit on something also where you're like, you know what, I don't like all books. I'm like not interested in all these books. And and to get to get kids to read, sometimes it's about hitting their interest, right? I mean, right. you know, it Definitely. it may be that they're not interested in reading that classic book that you know maybe they you, we often see in school when they don't want to mm-hmm. read frog and toad and they don't want to read classic handmaid's tale they don't want to read that but right. they do want to read about 
oceanography or they want to read about rocks and you're thinking that sounds terribly boring but for them you know they see a magazine with you know a big volcano on it and they're like yeah that sounds good so you know in in creating a culture of reading maybe part of it is is remembering that we have to reflect their interests, not just kind of what we want them to read, right? Absolutely. And that goes into, um, you know, allowing space for student choice and and not being kind of uh, at the whim of a curriculum within the school space, I should say, sure. you know, not, not staying, keeping to a strict curriculum, or if we're talking to parents at home, not only offering kids all the, you know, those wonderful books that we liked as kids, right. but to be very open-minded uh, and maybe a little less structured perhaps, and allowing for our kids to step up, be front and center and kind of show us what they're interested in. And, and you made a, a point that kind of resonated with me, um, there are definitely things that my kids are interested in that I'm just not. Mm -hmm. And I'll make that very clear. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know that much about that? Like, I never even thought about that. Or, you know, or jokingly, if I, if I have a, a good relationship with a kid, I'll be like, oh my God, you're such a nerd about that kind of thing. <laughs> right, and, right, right. and they kind of grin and they love that. Sure. Like they love being the expert. Yes. And, um, you know, me being a little self-deprecated and Mm -hmm. self-deprecating and kind of deferring to them sure. as the Ooh, expert in the room. Great. Oh, I mean, it's empowering. And who doesn't like, I mean, who doesn't like being in that position where, you know, they have a lot of, they have something to bring to the table. Yeah. Teach you know? the teacher, teach the parent. Definitely. That's, oh, that's an amazing position to be in. And, and I, I, you know, it's funny when you're saying like in the school space, we let and, and in the home space being less strict, I, have talked to some of my friends and and even people who have talked to me about this as as an expert, and you know we, they've said, well, you know, my kid wants to read Captain Underpants and you know yeah. these graphic <laughs> novels, and they kind of like, I, this is totally not what I'm like. What are they reading? Like, this is not what right. I want them to read. In fact, like you know, this grandmother was like, I'm not buying that for, you know, for you pick a real book. And, you know, so it's, it does say that we do need to allow more room so that the kids are picking what they want to read. Because once they find things that they love to read, and then they learn that they love reading, they're going to read a lot more than just that book that you just absolutely right <laughs> absolutely i mean that's like the entry point that's right. them sticking their toe in the water getting used to the temperature but once you know if a book asks asks you know a certain number of questions or or it, even if they just fall in love with the author uh and then they realize that oh that author is also in, in addition to comics or graphic mm -hmm. novels they've also written chapter books and right. big novels or essays it's just it it becomes a a good slippery slope after that and that's what something that we want our kids to kind of fall into um so you're absolutely right like don't don't censor what kids read and let them go at their own pace mm -hmm. and there might be you know the progress might be you know kind of slow going but then 
and this definitely happened in my life, there were those few critical years um, when something just clicked and then I started reading so much. I mean, honestly, uh, my senior year in high school was a big moment for me where like it was this weird moment where like all of my friends were like really big into reading i was i had a lot of like kind of musician friends Mm -hmm. i i I played music i was in a band and so usually our conversations were mostly about you know music or you know uh shows um but there was this critical moment when i was like 17 18 where books were front and center and that summer i i just i read more than i had you know the previous two or three years. So mm, mm. Uh, just being patient and letting those moments come to our kids, not pushing it and just having faith that if we are just surrounding them in this world of books and choice um, and options, that things will click on the timetable of the kid, not our Yeah, time. yeah. It's, it's interesting because my daughter, my son, they're only 16 months apart, but, so they share a lot of books, even <laughs> though my daughter's a little bit ahead, but they both love reading and they both love graphic novels. And okay. I've seen how the graphic novel for both kids were the, you know, that was the entry point. And mm-hmm. my daughter has since, even though she still loves the graphic novels, then moved on to books that had more text, but still pictures, you know, thinking yep. like the Captain Underpants, Dork Diaries, you know, and some of the other, you know, books that kind of have that structure. And then actually even moved into regular chapter books from there. So I've seen that progression. And now my son, who's in second grade, has been reading these graphic novels. And I suggest that to so many people. I'm like, listen, like it it was the answer for us. You know, he, <laughs> he devours them. There's never mm-hmm. enough of them in, in in our room and he and he is reading more complex ones he definitely loves reading and I just am thinking to myself I've already seen how this progresses so I'm just being patient about it even though it's like yeah would I like you to just sit down and read a a regular you know chapter book yeah but he's doing that in school and eventually he's going to do that at home because it's just going to happen. So I, I appreciate what you're saying there. And and let's not downplay, you know, that entry point, which could be yeah. a graphic novel or something that has large pictures and, and maybe more minimal text. And actually a lot of pages, you know, these some of these Absolutely. books have a lot of pages. I, you know, and I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, and just to reiterate, I know I said this earlier, but... Um, and I think this is where you're uh, going with it. You know, graphic novels are highly complex texts, especially, uh, or I should say they can, you're right. They can be, um, I mean, like I said, Watchmen by Alan Moore, one of my favorite texts of all time is Fun Home by Alison Bechtel. Mm. And it was one of the most challenging texts I've ever read. And it's a graphic novel. It's Mm. a memoir graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Alison Bechtel is brilliant. And I, I, that would be way too hard for my seventh graders. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that graphic novel is studied in, at at the university level. So yeah, I don't, I don't want, uh, I don't want our listeners to think that, you know, oh, graphic, you know, graphic novel is the beginning point because, I mean, some some kids need to work up to that. Too. Sure. So no, that's a good know, point. It, that's a good point. It can point. coexist at a lot of different levels. But you're right that it's 
the the pictures and that that's very immediately engaging to kids yes. and it's it's certainly a great and entry. it's familiar to them they've yes. just come off of picture books and you right. know so the and, I, and we still do read picture books in our house like out loud at night but um you know it's 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 like feeling like your home still you're still in this familiar setting there's still pictures you're not being given you know your parents books you know yours you're 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 given something that has pictures and it feels good so you know i i think that that makes a lot of sense for our readers and for our kids you know it's often often we're talking in this podcast about scripting and how we can actually talk to kids about these different topics so let's say you have a child, a student or a child who often defaults to video games or iPads mm-hmm. or screen time. And, and, and after listening to this podcast, you know, the parent, the teacher, they really want them to be reading more. And they, they're saying, okay, well, maybe I can use some kind of strategy here. So what might we say? Or what questions might we ask of a child or a student Mm -hmm. that might get them to sort of get on the reading train with you? You know, not just like Mm -hmm. having it in the room and not just sort of, you know, encouraging because you're a teacher or or you want it as a parent. But what might you say to a younger child or an older child that may have not been reading very much and now you're thinking, hmm, we should try this again? Mm Mm-hmm. That that's a great question. Um, maybe I can answer it with uh, a little bit of a story I would and love a that. script. Awesome. Okay. Fabulous. <laughs> you like read my mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> the well, it, um, because you know, I when I think of it, I, I tend to think of it more in anecdotals than uh, than like a sentence frame necessarily. We but love I'll, that. I'll try and do my best. The um, so two movies that. Uh, have been that already well two movies so Annihilation and which uh, came out I think a month ago and then on Friday we have the new Avengers movie Infinity War coming out both of those movies uh, you know action horror um, are highly appealing to young kids mm-hmm. like middle school and, and up um, so those are, but those are both pull very heavily from books. Mm-hmm. So that's true. A, so a lot of my kids who play video games or love going to see action movies, they might not even realize that a lot of these things pull from stories. So I started recently reading Annihilation um, by Jeff Vandermeer, and um, and I did a book talk to my kids. So instead of like pestering them and telling them to read, 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 read. Mm-hmm. What I'll do, the approach I'll take is I'll give them like a little trailer of my own about what the story is about. And it's about this, you know, mysterious area called Area X. Um, and there have been 11 groups that have gone to explore it, but everyone's either gone missing or have died. And now there's a 12th group that's being sent in to investigate uh, and you know what's going on here, and why have the other people? Why is no? But why is it a big secret? Why is the government covering it up? And at that point, when I'm kind of 
sharing that kind of book trailer with my kids, that's when they're leaning in and they're like, well, what happens next? Mm. And then it's like, and that's when you just, you try and be slick and you just slide the book over. No. And it's like, now it's you, your turn. And I think moments like that oh, um, are the best way to get, get kids interested. Um, it's so and- brilliant to use like a, a movie trailer to advertise a book. Like that is that's so brilliant as a teacher. I love that. And and so much less like, ju- like I think there's a lot of implicit judgment when it's like, oh, you know, you should be reading more or why don't you like this book? Like there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of emotional weight behind that. Right. Um, whereas if when we fall in love with reading, it's because it's fun and joyful and, and exciting. Yes. And if we can kind of capture that uh, and entice kids with the very thing that brings us to books and us to reading, then then we're kind of talking the same language. It's interesting you you talk about this in terms of these books that have sort of been made into movies or books that mm-hmm. are uh, movies that are based on books. Because with my own daughter, we've done our own version of that, this sort of younger version. And I'll just mm-hmm. you know I'll just say that you know we've read. We love to read together some of the classics, you know, Wizard of Oz, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, Matilda, Heidi. All of those have movies. There you go. Yeah, so yeah. We, we start with reading the book, which I have told her, pl- please note that the book is always better than the movie. You know, right. even though the book is, the movie's going to be great. Uh, you know, the book is always better and you'll kind of see differences and all of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's really exciting for us to be able to, you know, read The Secret Garden and then have a special mother-daughter day where we actually watch The Secret Garden after, mm. you know, we've finished the movie. And then we sort of talk, oh, well, this is different and this sort of surprised me. And and, and it, it's, it's fun. It's kind of a way to take the new technology um, or sometimes it's old because some of these movies are definitely old, um, you know, that, that you can incorporate the digital aspect or the visual aspect with something yes. you read and it kind of makes it special like you know it's kind of special cuddle time for us as well you know <laughs> it's great. like fun you know fun for us and we can't wait till the next one like what's the next mm-hmm. thing that we're going to read and then we're going to watch the movie after because the book was so good that they made it into a movie and you know <clears throat> so um Maybe I'm kind of showing my age or lack thereof. I think but, I did um, too, just now. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, Little but, women. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, I, I, that's amazing. The, um, but, you know, I think I was in like middle school or high school and my, my mom, there's, first of all, there's no wrong age or, or no one's your kids are never too old to to read with them like i i still oh, love it when yeah. uh people read to me nice you know, nice because that was one of my questions <laughs> like are we supposed to stop because we haven't stopped yet so thank you right. for that no i mean we we can do we can do a, a second podcast dr robin where you read stories to me and oh i'll, my I'll gosh. just listen oh <laughs> that'll be so interesting for everybody listen to dr robin read <laughs> And then my responses will just be, ah, oh, I like that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, the, um, but, you know, my mom read the first uh, Harry Potter book to me to mm. get me interested. But mm. one thing I also noticed was um, 
was that she was actually ahead of me. Like she she was she wanted to read the second one, the third one at a rate that was faster than she and I had been reading. Right. And she was it, it, she wasn't faking it. She was legitimately interested right. in the story. And that when I, when we talk about modeling what it means to to love reading, you know, she I don't even know if she realized it, but I was noticing and picking up on, you know, how into it uh, she was into the storyline and it made me pick up the book and read beyond where we left off Neat. so I could catch up, you know? Um, so yeah, I think all of those little moments of, of reading with kids is really important. And also, um, I have a lot of parents who push, I, I make audiobook versions of some short stories mm-hmm. with corny sound effects and stuff. I and, love this. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> And that, because uh, I want my kids to be reading more, and I want them to be reading uh, at home and when they're not physically, you know, uh, in the room with me. Right. So I make audiobooks where they can hear me reading. And I've I've had parents uh, ask me at back to school night, you know, Mr. Corbett, um, shouldn't they not listen to mm. your audio version and shouldn't? they be doing all the work Mm. and they be doing the reading. Um, And my response to that is um, sometimes, Mm -hmm. but also um, another really important thing is when we read to people of all ages, we model fluency Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. and we model um, cadence and emphasis and, and, and dramatic reading. And these are certain things like sometimes when I have, when my kids uh, in school read to me, it's kind of flat and sure. it doesn't have a lot of um, expression. Know, yeah, expression exactly. And so when we model that, we're illuminating the meaning of the text, and we're also kind of showing how to read with uh, what we call fluency. Um, I mean, if if I were reading Shakespeare, honestly, I would want to watch a Shakespearean player, I'd want to hear the language. You're like spoken. in my head right now because I, <laughs> I, 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 no, seriously, like on the tip of my tongue, because when I was in middle school and high school and talk about showing your age, but when, when I got assigned Shakespeare play, I was sitting in our living room with my father's record player, mm-hmm. listening to the audio version of that play while I was reading it. And it was really the only way that I yes. could truly understand what was going on. Bec- and you know, I felt like when I was reading it, I was like, I was so in the dark by myself. So it, it was, it was monumentally important for me to hear the different voices and to hear the, what you're saying, the expression, the cadence. I understood so much more of it. I was still reading with it. But it made a lot more sense. So it's so funny. You and I are thinking the exact same thing because that is so true. And that's, you know, I I challenge you to share that story with your kids when they're reading Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You know, show that vulnerability uh, to them and say, hey, you know, the first time I ever understood a Shakespeare play was when I had it, sure. when I was listening to it and had the first time. I understood a Shakespeare play was I was a junior in high school and my English teacher, Howard Glatt, was reading Othello out loud to us. And for the first time, it it made sense to me. I, Thank you, to Howard. Be honest, 
Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you're right, right. Um, but no, like I, I, I just couldn't do it until it yes. was modeled for me. Yeah. So it's um, a good, it's a good point that it doesn't. You know, we don't have to wait for for Shakespeare to do that kind of thing. You right. know, with our children, it can be these short stories, and they're gaining something from it. And it may be cadence, and it may be expression, and it may be fluency, but it also might be understanding because, as we Absolutely. know, many kids learn differently, and not every child is going to read something and retain it. Some need to hear it happening. Other people are going to read the read the book and then see the movie, and everything's going to come, you know, come to fruition in their head, and they're going to go, "Oh, now mm-hmm. I get it!" Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't say it better myself. That's great. So so give us your top crucial tip, your top tip that you would want parents and teachers to come away with today about getting our kids to love reading. Um, so I'm going to challenge uh, parents out there, and I think the first step because I, I really think modeling is so so important mm-hmm. uh, for kids and, and reading with kids. I think the first step for parents is not for the kids to do the work. It's for the parents to do the work. And I know that's hard. I know it's messy. But we need to start reading more. We need to pick up books. We need to get interested. We need to read books that we think we could recommend to our kids. As parents, as teachers, there's a lot of prior work that goes into this Mm. than simply putting a book in a kid's hand. Um, I know that's not the easiest answer to hear. I know that's not uh, a quick tip. Um, But if we are going to take the idea seriously of being models for reading and and modeling what it means to read a lot and enjoy reading and sitting down with our kids and um, we need to read ourselves more and it doesn't need to be as daunting as like novels on novels on novels like I told you I I read very slowly mm-hmm. I'm a very slow reader I do not. Uh, like devour books on a weekly basis. I know, I'm not that way either. But no, I I mean, but I'm, we could start off with, with short stories or, you know, um, or if we haven't read, a, we don't need to read the book first necessarily. We can, we can go through that experience together with a child and read it together for the first time, be that. surprised together, yes. be so much curious fun. together. Um, that's a lot of fun. So um, I just want to, I want to challenge parents to kind of walk the walk um, and not just expect something from our kids that we're not willing to do ourselves. It's true. And, and of course, so many of us are online ourselves. We're on our phones where, you know, we are needing to keep up with schedules and um, we're working from home. I mean, I am working from home. So my kids see me on the computer. They see my husband on the computer all the time. And mm-hmm. it's, it is important for them to see us reading actual books as well. I mean, we read every night with our kids, but, you know, seeing that. And I feel like as far as creating a culture, it's interesting because when we go on vacation, all four of us are reading because Beautiful. that's what we do. You know, like we're on vacation, we're sitting in a lounge chair, you know, reading by the ocean, like that's good stuff. And oh, yeah. they're doing it too. And I feel like they've now associated bedtime and vacations with reading because that's what we do. <laughs> yep. So it's it's interesting that you say that. And 
Uh, and just, you know, I, I think I, there's a, there's definitely a place for the, you know, amusement parks and like the, the high, um, but you know, there is something beautiful about, you know, um, having a vacation be quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and unplugging and Mm -hmm. wherever that might be. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's a staycation at home, just kind of a day where, you know, you play board games, you read, you actually, you, you talk, you see each other. Um, just having that time to kind of, uh, just be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Give us the resource of the week. Give us where people can learn more about you. Give us your Twitter handle. Give us your website. Where can people read about you, learn about you, and follow you? Sure. Um, so on, I'm pretty active, uh, just trying to always share out teaching and parenting resources on Twitter. My handle is Alex underscore Corbett, C-O-R-B-I-T-T. Uh, and I I try and be active on there. And then um, my website where I have some articles that I've written and other reading resources um, is just simply alexcorbett, one word, dot com. Mm. So alexcorbett.com. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together today. And I want to thank you for bringing up these incredibly important points, such interesting information. And, you know, I love what you've been saying about going further with the modeling. I mean, not just, hey, you need to read, but also talking about reading with our children, um, allowing them to see that we're vulnerable at times, making sure that Mm -hmm. they have books around them to just pick up and also understanding that their interests may be different from yours to just make sure we have those in there. I, I, I love all of those things. And your tips and your scripts have been extremely valuable today. So thank you for being here on our show. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. I learned a lot with you. That was fun. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Let's come up on Facebook. Go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com. And certainly on Twitter, because we'll be talking about it. Alex and I will be talking about it as uh, going sort of back and forth about this particular podcast. And my Twitter handle is Dr. Robin. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you will go up to iTunes, rate and review it so that other people can learn about these outstanding solutions. Please share it. Let people know about it because reading can be a struggle for people and they want to hear these tips. So that's all we the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. There's going to be show notes up there for Alex Corbett as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. I know sometimes you're going to pull your hair out because your kid is not reading what you wanted to read. He's not reading it enough. I get it. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting, thankfully, is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. 
see you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.